You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. Welcome if you're a first-time guest. I'm glad you're here. Uh, The next couple of weeks are going to be really, really fun here at FC as we uh, kick back into part two of our Acts sermon series. So uh, we were uh, were teaching through that uh, uh, several weeks ago, and now we're going back to the book of Acts. And some of my favorite parts of the book are, are getting ready to happen, so you're not going to want to miss the next couple of weeks, as well as our small groups are doing this study, so small groups are focused on it. Uh, God's going to do some great things, and leading us up to uh, Bacon Sunday, uh, you've heard a little bit about that, but Bacon Sunday is going to be a great morning, lots of great bacon and lots of great appetizers, and it's just going to be a wonderful, glorious morning to start the day off. Uh, it will make sense once we get into the service why we named it that, uh, but most importantly, what we want to do on that day is we want to clearly share the gospel in such a way that, that you would invite uh, people to come, friends, family, to be here that Sunday, and that we would, we would allow them to engage the gospel like never before. And so uh, we're asking you to uh, write down five names. Uh, we've done this before in the past. We want to encourage you to pray for those five names, and we want between now and Bacon Sunday for you to invite them. And uh, so I encourage you guys to do that, and uh, I'm believing uh, God is going to save some people that day and do some great things. And, and then uh, we've mentioned the the parenting conference as well, uh, September 15 and 16, and uh, just going to be a great experience. No matter what phase of, of parenting you might be in, whether your kids are little or your kids are out of college, uh, we'll have breakout sessions that are going to speak directly to you, and, and uh, we're going to learn from each other that weekend, and I can affirm to you that parenting is one of the most, it is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, and uh, it's constantly a challenge, and so I need you, you guys to speak into my life that weekend, and, and uh, our, our guys are going to speak into yours as well, and so you can register today uh, before you actually leave. Today, though, I want to close our sermon series that we've called Airplane Mode. And so our, 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 our whole focus here was to limit distractions that limit our growth. And so we've identified several things in our life that could potentially be limiting our growth. And today I want to close with this concept that there could be another thing that's in your life that's limiting your growth. And, and that could very well be the fact that you're focused on pleasing people instead of pleasing God. And so I want us to unpack that a little bit today, that thought, and, and, and hopefully identify if some of us are in that, that camp and, and uh, be, begin to repent of that, turn from that, and embrace Jesus in a, in a fresh way today. Uh, I know football season has started. We're excited about that. But how many basketball fans are there in the room? Any basketball fans at all? By a show of hands, all right. You, you will appreciate this story. Uh, but in 1962, there was a, a game between the Philadelphia Warriors uh, before they were Golden State and sold out and had the super team and all that j- junk, um, and, and they were playing the New York Knicks. And on that day, uh, the, the, the Warriors won the game, and they largely because they had a man uh, that was seven foot one, almost 300 pounds. He's a beast of a man, but super athletic, and his name was Wilt Chamberlain. You've probably heard of Wilt. And Wilt did something that day that has never happened in the history of the game, and it hasn't happened since. You know what that is? Anybody? He scored 100 points. This is Wilt. You've probably seen this picture before. They snapped this picture after that game. He scored 100 points in one game. Never happened in professional, in the professional uh, uh, division before, never happened since. It was an incredible performance. Now, what most people don't know about that game 
is that Wilt was 28 for 32 from the free throw line. So that's, that's an incredible percentage, and, and in fact, 87.5%. Uh, incredible percentage. And in fact, there has never been anyone who has beaten that record in the history of the game. Nobody scored, you know, more than 28 free throws in the history of the game. So he's making two records that night. Now, what's really interesting about Wilt is that when he went into the league, he was a terrible free throw shooter. And he was terrible. But this night and this season, he changed his technique. Now, if you know anything about basketball, it, for the people that don't know anything about basketball, when you normally shoot, it normally looks like this. It's pretty good, isn't it? I still got it. I still got it. I'm trying to convince my kids I still got it. Yeah, well, they, we, we shoot over our head, right? Elbow in, pointed down, right? Uh, all this kind of stuff, eyes on the target. For Wilt that night, he goes to the free throw line and he shoots the underhand shot. Now, the underhand shot is also known as the granny shot. That's right. So Wilt is doing the granny shot from the free throw line. He makes 28 out of 32. Now, when I do this, all of you are thinking right now, what? He looks so stinking weird right now, right? Why? Because nobody shoots the granny shot. You just don't do that. And if you're in basketball culture at all, if you've ever wondered why nobody shoots the granny shot, it's because you'll get laughed out of the gym. You'll get made fun of. You won't make the team. So we learn at a really young age when it comes to basketball, you don't shoot the free throw like that. Now, there was a guy by the name of Rick Barry, and he's really the only guy who's ever shot the granny shot. And he was arguably the greatest free throw shooter of all time. I mean, he would, he would shoot over 90% every year in his career. And he actually would go an entire season and he'd only miss like eight or nine free throws in the whole year. Now, compare that. Some of the basketball non-fans are like, dude, could you finish this story? <laughs> Hang with me here. This is interesting, right? He would go a whole season and he would only miss eight or nine free throws. Compare that to the greatest basketball player in the, in the world currently LeBron James, and he will miss about 140 to 150 free throws a year. So Rick Barry, he, he had it going on, and he shot the granny shot, and he said, from a physics standpoint, it's just a more natural way to shoot a free throw. He said it's a softer shot, and so he did it his entire career. And yes, everybody made fun of him and criticized him, but he, he didn't care. He basically said, you know what, I'm going to keep shooting because I'm shooting over 90%, man. But you look back at Wilt's career, Wilt changes. After that season, he changes from the granny shot, and he goes back to the overhand, overhead shot. And for the rest of his career, he was a terrible free throw shooter. He was terrible. He, he, he shot under 50% for the rest of his career. One, one season, he actually shot 30%. The guy was terrible at free throws. Now, you think about a guy that was so dominating and, and, and so great in so many ways in the game, and how many more scoring records he could have had, how many more championships could he have achieved had he just learned how to make his free throws. But he could not overcome what some of us can't overcome, and that is the pressure from popular belief. This idea of 
pleasing people, fitting in with other people at the expense of what's better for us. We would rather conform to what's popular in our culture and be accepted than do what perhaps God wants us to do or do something that is simply just going to benefit our life. Now, for me, I'll tell you one thing about me. There ain't no way I'm shooting a granny shot. I haven't overcome that. Rick Barry, he, he, he found, you know, what, he found like a niche. Like, I, I don't care what people think when it comes to that. I'm just going to do my deal. And Malcolm Gladwell, author, speaker, uh, writer, he says that, that Rick Barry has something in that capacity that many people don't have, and that is a certain strength, a certain threshold. And he explains like this threshold as being, you know, we, we have different, everybody's different here, so we all have different levels of adversity or, or you know, something that we need to change, so peer pressure. We, we all have different levels of peer pressure and, and adversity that we can face before we will actually conform and, and fit in, you know? And so I want us to begin to think about what your threshold might be today. Like how much adversity can you take? How, how much in your life, you know, how, how much peer pressure in your life can you take before you say, okay, 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 I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go for it, even if it's sinful. You know, at an early age, we learn how to conform to popular opinion. At an early age, we learn how to do what's acceptable so that we are, in fact, approved and accepted by other people. The problem is... We conform at the expense of our relationship with God. We, we conform to popular belief even when God says this is wrong. Now, why do we do this? Why do we conform so easily? Why is our threshold so weak? This desire to be accepted, this desire to please people, this desire to be approved is so strong in us. And one of the reasons why it's so strong is because we have a, a, a huge fear of rejection I mean, think about those moments in your life when you were rejected or, you know, you were broken up with or, or feeling uh, unloved. Somebody that you thought should care for you wasn't caring for you and you felt rejected. Man, that is a terrible feeling. And so we learn at a young age that this is not a feeling that we want to feel. And so, so we'll do anything and everything sometimes to earn and to get that approval from someone else. The fear of rejection says, if I don't do everything I can to make this person happy. They might leave me or they may not care for me any longer. So this fear drives us to please people and to please certain people and to, to do things that perhaps are even sinful. We're afraid of rejection. Maybe Will, he didn't want to be made fun of. Maybe Will didn't want to be laughed at by his friends. So he changed the shot, spent the rest of his career being a terrible free throw shooter. Just think of what he could have done. One of the greatest signs of being a people pleaser is simply not being truthful with others about uh, who we are and, and what we're feeling. We say that we like things that we really don't like. We go places and say we're enjoying it, but in reality, it's the last place on earth we want to be. We nod our heads in agreement to things we, we don't feel right about in our hearts. And instead of telling people the truth about our feelings, about our thoughts, we start telling others what we think they want to hear in order to remain accepted and approved by them. People pleasers have a habit of just being dishonest about their true thoughts and their true feelings because they're trying to keep other people happy. Now think about all the dumb decisions you've made in your life because you've been trying to please people. 
Maybe you were a student and, and uh, you went to a party and there were a lot of drugs and alcohol there and, and uh, you, you didn't want to partake, but a couple of people made fun of you or, or uh, a few jokes and, and all of a sudden your threshold was so weak, you said, all right, all right, all right, give me one, I'll do it. Next thing you know, you're intoxicated. Maybe you're a, you're a mom and something as simple as, you know, your, your daughter wants a phone. Only problem is she's seven and you don't think a seven-year-old needs a phone. But then you go to a friend who has a mom and, or who is a mom and has a, a, a daughter who is seven, and she did buy her daughter a phone at that age. And she says one day, I can't believe you haven't bought your daughter a phone. I just can't believe it. So feeling guilty, you go the next day to the store and you buy your seven-year-old a phone. Threshold is weak. Maybe you travel a lot for your work and so you're out of town and maybe all the other co-workers are going out to a place that you know your wife would not approve of. You know God would not approve of. But your desire to be accepted into that group of friends is so strong that you're willing to compromise your faith and your beliefs and go and do and partake of things that you know are wrong. You see, this is what our desire to please people rather than God will lead us to do. As a teenager, as a college student, as you are still figuring out who you are and, and you're still figuring out what you believe and is this Christianity thing real and is God real and you're wrestling with this and, and you're trying to find somebody that you, know, you, you want to maybe perhaps spend the rest of your life with, you want a, you know, a significant relationship, you want to be included in friends. The reality is that desire doesn't really end as you get older. So it's important that we figure out, man, where are we at? Would I rather please people? Is that really my desire? Or is my desire to please God? We all want to be accepted. Now listen, that's not a bad thing necessarily. Wanting people to like us is not necessarily a bad thing. It, it, it becomes a bad thing when it leads us to sin and when it becomes the thing that we treasure more than Jesus. When we would rather please someone else higher than we would rather please God, then it's an issue then it's sinful, it's idolatry. And so the question I want you to wrestle with today is simple. Are you a people pleaser or are you a God pleaser? Are you a people pleaser or are you a God pleaser today? And I think it really comes down to what motivates you. What is motivating you in your life? And, and I think if we can begin to look at the, the, the fruit of our life, the evidence, so to speak, in our life, we can begin to uncover some of these motivations in our life that will actually show us where we're at. Now, the passage I wanna look at today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter two. And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn there. And I think as we, as we look at this passage today, it's gonna help us determine where our motivations are. Paul, the apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica. And, and he's writing this in part because the leaders of the city and the religious leaders are condemning him and they're questioning his motives. And they're saying basically, Paul, you're a people pleaser. You're just giving flattering words to us. You're trying to build a platform. You're trying to do this for money. You're, you're doing this with impure motives. What you're sharing is false. And so Paul writes this letter to combat that uh, argument. And it's interesting how he starts, but, but I, I do think that we're gonna see what really motivates Paul, and, and he's going to explain and, and show the fruit of his ministry and the evidence of his life to really show that I'm not here to please people. I'm here because I want to please God. And if we apply that to our lives today, I think it will help us limit the distraction of people pleasing and truly, maybe for the first time, 
focus on pleasing God in our life. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says this in verse 1, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. And the first thing I want us to see is in verse 1 here. He says, look, for you yourselves know. This is where he starts. He says, guys, you know me. You know what happened. In verse 9 of, of the first chapter, he says, you, you turn from idols and you turn to God. You guys know my heart. You know the gospel that I taught you. You know that I was with you in spirit and heart, that I loved you. I mean, he's essentially saying, guys, 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 just look at my fruit. Guys, just look at the evidence of my ministry and what God did in my ministry, what God did through my ministry. That, that's how you can judge my motives today. And so I think this is a good place for us to apply and a first place for us to start. Like if you were to go to the people that know you the best, your spouse, your really good friends, maybe people in your small group, and you were to ask them that, this question simply, am I a people pleaser or am I a, a God pleaser? What would they say? Would, they, would you be able to say, hey man, for you, you yourself know my life, you know? Am I a God pleaser or, or am, I, am I simply a people pleaser? And, and to kind of hear their thoughts and, and to kind of look at the evidence of your life is a really good place for us to start today. But Paul says, you guys know this, and then he explains his ministry. He gives evidence for his motivations and, and what was driving him during this season of his life. And so the first thing, if you want to be a God pleaser, we want to match up here with Paul. And so the number one thing I would say is that a God pleaser is motivated by the power of the gospel. Look at verse 2 again. He's very clearly saying, look, we've already suffered. We've been shamefully treated in Philippi. But we are still bold. We still have a boldness in God. In other words, our threshold wasn't so weak that when people started to persecute me, when people started to shame me, I didn't break down. I didn't just, you know, tuck my tail and run. I didn't say, forget it, and throw my hands up. He says, I stuck in there. That didn't distract us. We did not quit. Why didn't we quit? Because he believed in the power of the gospel. When you yourself experience the power of the gospel, the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ, and then you see other people impacted by this gospel, you see their life transformed, that gives you boldness and confidence in this gospel. And he says, we were, we were bold to declare the word of God. We were bold to declare the good news of God. We weren't bold because we had a lot of money. 
We're not bold because we were good looking. We drive nice cars. No, we're bold because we know that the gospel is the gospel. Very clearly, he says, of God. This is God's good news. This is his message. And that gives us boldness. And so the power of the gospel that transformed me and what I'm seeing transform other people is in fact my motivation here. I know it's real. I know it's power. And I know that God is calling me to be a part of of sharing that message. And so he doesn't cave to this peer pressure. Now, we cave so easily in our culture. Some of us are so afraid to talk about Jesus. We're so afraid to talk about our church or our faith. Why? Well, because we're afraid somebody's not going to like us. We're afraid that, you know, somebody is going to be offended. You know, we, we would rather not talk about it and please our boss. We'd rather not talk about it and please our coworkers. At least we think we would be pleasing them if we don't talk about it. And we, we lie to ourselves and, and believe this lie that I, I'm living in America. Even though I have freedom of speech, I can't talk about my faith anymore. That's just simply not true. I'm not saying we take Bibles to, to work tomorrow and start preaching and take a table and, you know, set up your iPad and, you know, start spitting on people the, the gospel. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if you're telling me that you can't talk about your church at work, I, I just don't buy that. If, if you can't talk about, you know, a prayer that you believe God answered, I just don't buy that, you know? I just don't buy, I think we have a fear of rejection and this fear is so strong in us that we would rather not rock the boat. We would rather please people rather than honor God with our voice and honor God with our life. They were bold because it was the gospel of God. The good news that Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and that he was raised from the grave allowing us to have freedom over sin, giving us the gift of heaven. This is the power of the gospel. It changed my life. It changed so many of your life. It's why we're here today. If you've not experienced the power of the gospel, man, I invite you to receive Jesus today and experience his goodness. We've got to be motivated by the power of gospel. But secondly, I think a God pleaser is also motivated by their identity in Christ. Paul talks about it here in verses three and four. He's, he's being accused of, of speaking to please men. You know, you're just a people pleaser. You're just, you're just giving flattering words. And Paul says, no, 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 I'm not here to please men. I'm here to please God. And the reason why he can be confident that he is there to please God is because he is firm in his identity in Christ. And part of that identity here is that he is approved by God. Circle that phrase in verse four. He says, I'm approved by God. I'm confident about the gospel. I'm not here to please man. I'm here to please God. I know part of my identity is that I am approved by God. They accused him of being a people pleaser, but he knows he's already been approved by God. Now, why do we please people? Because we want to be approved by them. Paul says, I ain't got to worry about that. I'm approved by my creator. Now, some of you are living your life trying to seek the approval of other people because you haven't yet experienced and embraced the approval of God through Jesus Christ. And so you're trying to please someone, maybe your spouse or someone at work, and 
and you're bending over backwards to make sure they're happy with everything, and you do a pretty good job for the most part, but inevitably, because you're not perfect, you, you don't, you know, one day do everything that they wanted, and they let you know about it, and then you feel devalued, you feel unimportant, you feel like, man, I'm a nobody, and all those fears and anxieties creep up into you. I need to be accepted. I need to be loved. I need to be approved. And so what do you do? You work harder to please that person, essentially creating them in your life as an idol. You live to serve them and make them happy instead of living to serve Jesus and make him happy. And that's an issue that's going to limit your growth. You've got to be honest with yourself. You're never going to please that person because the only source of true happiness in this world is Jesus. If that person is, 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 is coming to you for that happiness, they will always be disappointed because you, you can't do it. It's impossible. You can't please them every second of the day, every hour of the week. And so we've got to realize that as a follower of Jesus, I can't earn the approval of God, but by faith in Christ, he calls me approved. That means that I am a chosen child of God. That means that I am loved and cared for. It means I have a purpose. God has a plan for me. All of these glorious, wonderful things that my identity in Christ offers to me, it means I have a home in heaven. And so my, my, my salvation is assured. I don't have to worry about it. My faith is in Jesus. You see, this is what being approved by God means. Now, this is a journey. You don't just get saved and be like, sweet, man, I'm approved, and now I am confident in myself. No, this is a journey. This is how we are growing. This is why small groups and engaging in the ministries of a church are so important, that we're growing and learning and embracing this. This is a journey that God wants us to go on so that we can experience this approval. So, so being approved, child of God, that's a huge part of our identity. The next part of our identity here is that he says we are entrusted with the gospel. And he says, so we speak. Now, being entrusted with the gospel teaches us something about who we are in Christ. And essentially what this means is I have a purpose. It means that I have been saved for a reason. We're entrusted to do something with this approval and with this message. And so Paul here, he's motivated because he's entrusted with the gospel, so he speaks. The fact that God has entrusted to you this message should teach you and I today that God has approved us and he's given us a very precious gift. It's the gift of Jesus, it's the gift of his grace, and it's the gift of sharing and the responsibility to go and to share that message with other people. And so if I'm so concerned about your reaction to the gospel, I am pleasing you rather than pleasing God. And in a weird way, I might make someone unhappy if I share the gospel. But what's amazing about the gospel is they may resist that notion, but then the Spirit of God works in their life, and then they accept it, and then they understand it, and then like, I'm so glad you shared that with me, and I'm sorry I was a jerk. You see, this is the power of the gospel. This is why we have to trust Jesus. We don't, we don't trust our fears and our emotions when it comes to embracing the, the responsibility of being entrusted with the gospel. God has given you a very precious gift. It's a very pre precious message. It's the only way that someone can find salvation. So it's essential. It's, it's, it's a must that we embrace this responsibility as someone who is seeking to please God. Now, when my son was younger, I was first teaching him how to mow the grass 
uh, we've got a riding lawnmower, and it's a little intimidating for a kid, you know? He couldn't reach the pedals, so we've got to scoot the seat up, and if he, if he pushes the pedal so hard, he takes the weight off the seat, and it kills the lawnmower, you know? So we always had that uh, happening, and, and there's a there's a really, you know, massive blade underneath that machine. So it's, it's scary, you know, it's a little intimidating. And so I teach him about everything. You know, here's how you start it. Here's how you turn it off. Here's how you do the blade and, you know, stay here and don't go there and watch this and watch that. And, and then essentially once I've done everything I feel like I need to teach him, then I walk away. And I'm like, all right, son, I am entrusting you with the mission of mowing the grass. I trust you. I've chosen you, I've given you this responsibility, and now I walk away. And I say, I'm going to go sit on the couch, <laughs> drink some lemonade, and watch the game. No, it's a good thing. And yeah, he ran over a few flower beds a time or two. And, you know, I coach him up, teach him a little bit, don't tell Micah, and we move on with life, you know? And it's a journey. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't sit out on the lawnmower while it's turned on and just sit there in fear. He has to engage the gear and start going. You don't have to have a, a, a theology degree to invite someone to church. You don't have to wait until you know everything about the Bible to start talking about your faith. You see, we, we fear so much of what people are going to say and we fear so much about how people are going to reject us at the expense of doing what God has called us to do. He's entrusted this gospel to us to share it, not to just sit on it. And so for many of us, man, this is a big deal. Like we're living in fear, worried about other people instead of doing the very things that God has called us to do. In verse 4, he says, I'm not worried about pleasing people. I'm not here to please people. I'm doing this. I'm motivated to please God. And he says, who tests me? Who tests our hearts? You see, God is testing your heart today. And really, life is just a series of tests. And God is watching to see what you are going to do. And listen, this test is not graded by the opinions of your friends. It's not graded by the opinions of our culture and what's accepted and not accepted. It's graded by the Lord God himself. So it's easy to go to a friend, you know, and, and, and get them to make you feel better about sin in your life. I know you committed adultery on your wife, but it's okay. Look at all the other stuff that was happening, and you're just a victim. And yeah, we love to hang around people that tell us our sin is okay. I know you lied, but listen, it's not, one of, it's not a big deal. You, when I was in school, um, I used to love when our teachers would, would, would give us a test. They would, they would sometimes ask us to turn that test in, and she or he would grade it and give it back to us. But I used to love it when the teacher, after the test or after the quiz, would say, okay, now swap with a neighbor, right? Swap your paper with the neighbor. Why? Because you're, I don't, she's saying, I'm, I don't trust you to grade your own paper, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and trust your neighbor to grade your paper. And, and, and so I loved the swap your paper day, right? This is a glorious day as a kid. Why? Because I'm finding the most dishonest kid in the room. <laughs> and I'm going to ask him or her 
to grade my paper, right? And every time I'm looking, who's my closest friend? And I ain't giving it to you because I know, you know, and I'm giving it to this guy. Why? Because I know if the answer is 1776 and I wrote 1976, my boy's going to look at it and he's going to be like, kind of looks like a seven to me. Check, right? I mean, that's what we want. We want culture to give us the thumbs up. We want our friends to give us the thumbs up. It's okay, man. It's all right. We got you. You're good. The problem is it doesn't work that way. Culture is, is, is telling us that abortion is okay, that divorce is okay, that sex outside of marriage is okay, homosexuality, all these things are okay now. You know, if we, if we buy into that belief, sure, we're going to be approved by friends and, and culture but they're not great in the test. God is great in the test. So it's, it's vital that my heart is beating. That's why I love that song today. God, show me. Show my heart how to beat. Because I don't, I don't know. My heart is sinful and evil. Culture says, be yourself. Do whatever you want. Do what feels right to you. Well, my sinful heart tells me to do a lot of stuff that's sinful. But God teaches my heart how to beat and live for him. That's my prayer. And, and, and I want to be motivated in the sense that, that I want to be motivated by my identity in Christ, that, that I have been approved, that I have been entrusted with this precious message, that, that God is going to test this in my life. I see so many people that just seek for that approval constantly. It's in me too. We're, we're, it's always there, Right? We've always got to measure that. We've, we've got to be on guard that, that it's not too much. And that's why social media is, is such a litmus test for me because those who are addicted to, to Facebook or Instagram are, are diving into that several times a day to see how many people have liked something that they've posted. And that addiction and that, that desire for approval just gets fed. That beast of wanting someone's approval is fed. Every day we go and we look, and how many likes do I have now? Yes, whatever, whatever digit you're looking for, because we all have, you know, that certain number, whatever you've gotten used to, you're trying to beat that number. And every time you are, are going to that daily reminder through social media of how important you are, it's wreaking havoc on your ability to really value yourself because you're looking for outside help for you to have inside value of who you are. Folks, you've got to know who you are in Christ. This is a journey. Paul says, I didn't come here speaking with words of flattery in verse 5. I'm not here just trying to schmooze you over. We all know the, the, the smoozer, smoozer, no, smoother, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Somebody that's trying to flatter you with words to manipulate you, right? Whatever that guy is. We know it. The problem is we know it when it's too late. We've already been manipulated. We've already been used. So Paul says, I'm not here to flatter you. Listen, the gospel isn't very flattering, is it? It's pretty hardcore. You're sinful. There's nothing you can do to be good. And apart from Jesus, you're going to hell. That can be hard to hear, right? He says, I didn't, I didn't come with a flattering message. I came with the truth. See, our culture needs the truth. Your family needs the truth. Your husband, your wife needs you to speak the truth about your feelings, about your emotions, right? People pleasers have a habit of lying all the time. And it's 
weird sometimes to really identify because they're such nice people. And, and, and you know, they, they, they do all of these wonderful things and it's like, man, this, this person is wonderful. And they might be, and they, they might be living a life of self-sacrifice to honor the Lord and hopefully that's what it is. But, but on the flip side, it could be, I'm just doing this because I need your approval. And if I don't have your appro- approval, I feel bad about myself. And that's an issue. So we want to identify that and destroy that by having confidence in who we are in Christ. Paul says, I, I didn't come asking for money. In verse 6, he's like, I, I didn't, or verse 5, I'm not here to, to be greedy. Verse 6, he kind of ties that thought in. He says, we could have made demands as apostles. In other words, we could have said, hey, we're working for you guys. You really need to pay us. But he says, essentially, I didn't do that. I didn't come out of greed. I didn't come here, you know, to make money off of this. He was a tent maker, so he, he was a bivocational church planner. So this is, this, is, this is Paul saying, look, I'm not here because I want to flatter you. I'm not here for the money. I'm not here, he says in verse 6, to seek the glory of people. I'm not here to build a platform. I'm not here to uh, get, get a crowd to look at me and say, how wonderful you are, Paul. That's not what he's here to do. He says, I'm here. I'm motivated because I've been entrusted with the gospel. I've been approved by God to share this message. And I just have to ask, are you more worried about pleasing people than you are about pleasing God when it comes to this special, precious gift that God has given to you that we call the gospel? Finally, a God-pleaser is motivated by intentional relationships to share the love of Christ. Look at these verses. These are beautiful verses. This is what Paul's ministry was about. He says in verse 7, we were gentle among you, so he wasn't coming, coming down hard, you know, like this dictator. I was, I was gentle with you. And he gives a, an example. I was gentle with you like a nursing mother takes care of her child. That's how gentle he's saying and comparing because he's taking care. Verse 8, he says, I'm affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you the gospel, he says, but we were also ready to share our own life. You see, Paul was intentional about sharing his life and this message with these people that he is caring for. And he says, guys, you yourselves know that I cared for you. I was gentle with you. My motives were not to get money, was not to build a platform. You guys know that's ridiculous. I'm here because I'm us to a lifestyle that pleases the Lord. And that would include us embracing the power of the gospel embracing our identity in Christ and embracing this mission of developing intentional relationships for the purpose of sharing Jesus. If you were to go to the doctor today and he or she were to tell you that you have high cholesterol, but you're not overweight and you know nothing else is wrong, would you go home and change your diet and start working out? Some of you would, maybe. Most of us probably wouldn't. Really, that's the only thing? Oh, I'm okay. But if you were to go to the doctor and they were to tell you that you have cancer and if we don't operate, if we don't do chemo now, then you're going to die really soon. Well, sure, all of us would jump on that. We would immediately do that. Why? Because the stakes are higher. The stakes are higher. And usually in our life, it takes a significant event for God to get our attention. And what I want to encourage you today is to think about all the other changes in your life that need to be made today, right now. 
and not wait for the big event, but to truly begin to grasp what God wants you to do right here, right now. In this series, we're, we're, we've been talking about limiting distractions that limit your growth. And the first week, we talked about walking wisely. And for some of you, that was a, a huge step, like, like getting rid of some of the distractions. And, 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 and some of you, you know, have been fasting from social media. Today's your last day. Congratulations. You're back on the wagon tomorrow. But hopefully you learned some stuff. Hopefully you learned that you didn't really need it. I haven't been on it. There have been times where I picked up my phone to look at it. And I'm like, oh, nope. Some of you, it was week two and the busyness of your life and you don't have a rhythm of rest and that's distracting you from really embracing the gospel. For some of you, it was last week and it was this idea that you're distracted by simple pleasures and comfort and that's what drives you. And for others, today was the day that really hit you. Like, like you realize, man, I, I'm really just living my life to please people. I'm not really seeking to please God. And, and no matter what I say, at the end of the day, the evidence, the fruit of my life really shows that. And so here's my takeaway today. Here's the challenge. The challenge is for you to go home, ask your wife, ask your parents, ask your friends, and simply say this, do you think I'm a people pleaser or a God pleaser? And begin a dialogue today that would help you identify some of the ways in which you can grow. Maybe they'll identify some things that are limiting your growth and Maybe some blind spots in your life that you didn't even really know about. And if you could identify them and see that, then okay, then now I can change. And now I can go further faster with Jesus. And that's my hope and that's my prayer today. Would you bow your heads? We're going to close today by singing a song. Like this is an anthem. It's our prayer. And we're going to declare that there is no one higher than Jesus. There's nothing higher. There, it's not another person's opinion that is higher. It's not pleasure or comfort that's higher. It's not my success that's higher. Nothing is higher than Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to lift your hands. And as a prayer and a commitment today after going through this series, it's just going to be you declaring that there's no one higher. It'll be a reaffirmation, a recommitment to God and to yourself. There is no one higher. And we get distracted by all the other idols in our life that we place higher. But today, let's put him higher. Maybe you've never accepted Christ. You want to experience the power of gospel. And I want to encourage you, when you leave today, there's a room that we call the care and prayer room. When you walk out these back doors, it's to your left. We've got some volunteers that would love to talk with you and help you make that decision to follow Christ. If if you just have a prayer need, if you're like, man, I'm a people pleaser, I, I, this God's just uncovered some things and I just want somebody to pray with me, they'll be in there as well, encouraging you, praying with you. No matter what it is, let's declare that God is high and lifted up above anything else in our life. Father, as we close, I pray that this would be an anthem of our soul today. I pray that together that we would lift you high. We would place you above all things and that you would help us begin to embrace our identity in you. You would help us destroy the idols in our life. You would help us to not fear rejection that would keep us away from your will. 
or that would lead us to sin. God, give us wisdom every single day on the decisions and the choices that we are making. Father, we need you. We need you to teach us how to live. We need you to teach our hearts how to live and how to beat. Our hearts beat for so many other things, God, and we, we want to repent of that. We want to turn from that, and we want our heart to beat solely for you because you and only you deserve our praise and worship today because there is no one higher than you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.